we might buy the cheapest, crappiest coffee, coffee there is. It's whatever saves us a penny and um, whatever gets the caffeine and the poop going. So um, I don't bring a French press out. I don't bring a pour over. Uh, I don't bring fresh grounds. I don't bring a grinder. I don't have that kind of time. I don't play around like that. That's Hiking Viking, and I'm Mary. Welcome to Episode 40 of the Out and Back Podcast, brought to you by Gaia GPS. For many of us, coffee is life. It's our morning ritual, our pick-me-up during the doldrums of the afternoon, and it's a lifesaver on late nights. This adoration, okay, addiction, doesn't go away in the backcountry. If anything, we rely on a hot cup of joe even more heavily when we stumble out of our tents in the cold air. But the perfect cup of joe can be hard to come by when you're camping. You can go for a pour-over or a French press, but then you're stuck hauling out the messy grounds. You can turn to the convenience of instant coffee, but sometimes the flavor falls short. Today, we're going to get to the bottom of this conundrum, and we chatted with Adventure Alan Dixon, Liz Snorkel Thomas, Heather Anderson, and of course, the hiking Viking to finally figure out the best cup of coffee in the backcountry. If all this backcountry coffee talk is filling you with wanderlust, you can use Gaia GPS to find the perfect camping spots far away from the crowds. Download our flagship Gaia Topo map along with the U.S. Forest Service 2016 map to find quiet camp spots with breathtaking views on national forest lands. And get this, podcast listeners get 20% off Gaia GPS by going to GaiaGPS.com podcast. That's G-A-I-A-G-P-S dot podcast to start planning that trip of your dreams. Now sit down and enjoy a cup of your favorite roast with these hiking pros. So my name is Heather, although on trail I am known as Anish, and I am probably the most well-known for hiking a lot, a lot, a lot in a very short period of time. What? I hike a lot, a lot, a lot in a short period of time? That is a complete understatement. Heather Anderson is... Gosh, where do I even start with this? Okay, Heather Anderson has hiked the Triple Crown. That is the Appalachian Trail, the Pacific Crest Trail, and the Continental Divide Trail. Three times each. She set speed records on the AT and the PCT. In fact, she completed the Pacific Crest Trail in just 60 days. Now, that's a record that still stands today as the fastest known time for both men and women. But she didn't stop there either. Heather also became the first woman and one of just a handful of hikers to complete all three trails in one calendar year. And it turns out she has a lot to say about coffee. When you reached out to me about this piece, and I started thinking about it. I was just like, oh, I could talk about coffee. And I was like, wow, I actually have a lot to say about coffee. <laughs> While you do an entire hour-long podcast on coffee. Uh, yeah, so the short version is, yes, I do use coffee on trail. And the much longer version is I have used pretty much every method of preparation of coffee on trail, I think, at this point, with varying results. It all started in coffee capital of the United States, the Pacific Northwest where Heather first put her hands on an espresso machine. So it was an interesting evolution. So I actually was not a coffee drinker until I was in my early 30s. 
And I had lived in the Northwest for probably five years at that point before it finally got to me and I started drinking coffee. My, you know, I worked at a software company and there was a, an espresso machine for uh, employee use and I was very intimidated by it because I grew up in the Midwest where like Folgers was what we had and I'd never seen anything so complicated. I had to like ask people to help me make it. And I learned how to make an Americano and that was like the only thing I could do because I was like, okay, this is the least steps. So I had barely just started to dip my toes in the coffee water. That sounds really weird. But um, before I started hiking my uh, Pacific Crest Trail FKT, believe it or not, there was no caffeine involved in my FKT until I reached Oregon, I believe, somewhere up north. It was either Oregon or maybe just the very beginning of Washington. And then I finally was like getting to the point where I was basically falling asleep walking and I was like, okay, I need caffeine. And so I just bought some hideous instant coffee. I think it was Folgers at like a gas station type of thing. And like, I mean, I have no stove. I have no way to prep coffee. So I'm literally just dumping it into my water bottle with cold water and shaking it and then chugging it and like doing this at like 10 p.m. at night so I can get my last five miles in type of thing. And that was how I got to Canada. And I'll definitely never forget the night when, I mean, I was headed up to Suwaddle Pass on the PCT. So, I mean, we're talking, this was the next to last night of my FKT. And I probably made three rounds of that nasty Folgers, like, iced coffee stuff. Because I was, like, not stopping until I got to Suwaddle Pass. And it was taking a really long time to get up there. And yeah, like I think the last one was like at 11 p.m. and I got to Sioux Auto Pass and then just like went straight to bed, like even after having like three water bottle coffee things. But it was terrible. I never want to do that again. <laughs> Believe it or not, I actually drank coffee after that because you think that would like ruin somebody for coffee forever. After knocking out 2,650 miles on the PCT in 60 days, Heather went on to smash the Appalachian Trail record. Proving herself once again as the fastest thru-hiker of the time, Heather cranked out some 2,200 miles in 54 days. Fueled by, you guessed it, coffee. But this time the good stuff was infused in her food. I think everybody thinks that because of like my FKTs and the fact that like I get up at you know 4 a.m. and hike. And it's like basically I'm not awake the first like six hours I hike when I get up at 4 a.m. Like, and then I'm like, oh, I've hiked 20 miles. All right, great. I can be awake for the last money. Um, yeah, so no, I'm a, I'm much more. Of a, I'm not even really like a a late night person. I'm very much an afternoon person. So it's like it's funny. Like when everybody else is like in their like comatose post lunch state, I'm like, yes, let's get stuff done. Let's do things, you know. And that's when I'm at the yeah. It's my most creative and my most productive time is from like 1 p.m. to like 5 p.m., which is when everybody else wants to take a nap. So by the time I went out to the Appalachian Trail to do my FKT, I was like, I know uh, judicious use of caffeine is good, especially for an FKT. And so actually what I, I one of my main um, nutrition um, cornerstones is something called trail butter. It's um, just a nut butter blend. And one of their blends comes with like uh, coffee and chocolate. So basically that was what I did for my coffee. So every morning I had this 700 calorie pack of like caffeinated trail butter. That was my breakfast at like 4 a.m. And that got me to Virginia. And then I just bought caffeine pills and I would like just eat like one caffeine pill, you know, to get me through the southern part of my FKT. And it's not always record breaking speed for Heather. Sometimes every once in a while she slows down 
and enjoys a cup of coffee and the view, especially when she's with her husband. So then when I hiked to the CDT in 2017, this was a very relaxed, um, enjoyable hike with my um, new uh, partner. And I was like, we are having good coffee on this hike. And so I got this little like uh, fabric cone pour over. It's called a little dripper. It's by Montbau, but it's just like a, so you can do pour overs. And we carried real honest to God coffee. Like I bought good coffee and like we mailed it in the resupply boxes, you know, like, and it was like real coffee. <laughs> so we had this, like, I don't know, like carrying like a pound of coffee and like the pour over thing. And we had wonderful, delicious, great coffee every morning on that hike. And it was wonderful. Um, but not really sustainable for like ultralight hiking. It was, that was like a one-time thing that we did that. In 2018, Heather hiked all three long trails in one single calendar year. It's called the calendar year triple crown and it's something like 8,000 miles. Let's just say coffee was involved. My husband said, I had to tell this story. And when I told him I was doing this, he's like, you have to tell this story. I'm like, all right. Uh, so on my calendar year triple crown, uh, starting out on the AT in the spring, it was like March, so terrible weather in the Southern Appalachians. And my husband was crewing me for this first part. He crewed me all the way up through the Rhone Highlands. And there was a morning where we were like sleeping in the back of the truck and we wake up at, you know, 4 a.m. or whenever it was that I was getting up, 5 a.m., whatever. And we can just hear the sleet like pounding down on the roof of the truck. And like we peek outside and it's just like just the worst like spring storm. And he's like, I'm not going to make you coffee this morning because every morning he would make me coffee and send me down the trail. And I just <laughs> look at him and I say, you have to make me coffee. It's integral to the success of my hike. And he got out. He made me coffee in this fleet <laughs> and he will never let me forget that he made me coffee that morning. But I was successful, and so I, to this day, it's because he got out there and made me that coffee in the sleep. So sometimes coffee is like very much integral to my hike. <laughs> After powering down cold Folgers coffee in a water bottle, and then going in style with fresh grounds on her CDT hike with her husband, Heather has landed on some of the most simple options out there. And then, so I found these, um, this company called Kuju, which makes these little like tea bag type uh, pour over individual serve coffees. And that's what I used on my calendar year, Triple Crown. And those were great, but they were still like heavy because you had to pack out the grounds and they were complicated and everything. And so now I actually just use CS Instant Coffee, which uh, is a like a giant instant coffee. Um, pack it so it makes like 16 to 20 ounces so instead of using like four starbucks vias um because i obviously did that at certain times too i did the starbucks via route but you know i'd be using like three of them because i wanted a lot of coffee so yeah so all of the things i have done i finally come down to just like one giant <laughs> instant packet <laughs> and actually I currently in my life i've cut back on it um a lot off trail like i'm not even really drinking coffee right now and I haven't been for like six months. On trail, I would say it's uh, it's important like for when I have goals. Like so there's like the FKT thing where it's like really important. And then there's like the, the casual hike where it was like important because I wanted like this nice like cozy morning in the tent. But then a lot of times I just don't even drink coffee when I'm hiking. So it's, it's a very just hit or miss.
When we thought about this episode, there was one person we knew we had to consult. Thomas Gathman, better known as the Hiking Viking, perhaps one of the biggest personalities on the trail. We just figured after all the miles the Viking has hiked, he would probably have some of the best solutions. My relationship with coffee, I would say, you know, it it rides the line of like obsessive with the act of making and having it in the morning. But like earlier in my life, it was a disgusting thing to me. I'll never forget my like seventh or eight, maybe eighth or ninth grade science teacher had a cup of coffee in his hands at all times. His name was Mr. Baylor and his coffee breath was so bad. And he would just like breathe it on you, breathe it on you while he's talking to you. And I was always getting in trouble. Viking always in trouble. Why does that not surprise me? He was always talking really close to me. So coffee to me was gross for a long period of my my life until uh, I started getting to the point where waking up in the morning was a chore. I actually don't remember what made me change. It feels like a forever ago. Like there's another life when I started drinking coffee. Um, I think I just, I think it was just like socially like what people were doing. And I was like, eh, I'll give it a try. And then once you do it, like it's almost like drinking beer, you know, like who the hell likes beer the first time they taste it? Like who? Name me one person in history. I dare you. I dare you. It's disgusting. It's disgusting. And coffee might be more. I don't know. Which one do you think could, could be more gross to say a 10 year old, a beer or a coffee? Beer at least has some sort of like like i don't know depending on the beer like there's some sort of like sweet flavor going on but coffee's like downright bitter and like acidic you know so coffee may have been grosser but i think it was just like a you know our taste buds um change as we get older i mean i didn't, I didn't eat tomatoes until i was probably like 20 or, or older maybe i like thought they were gross onions too like peppers like i didn't want any of that stuff but then your taste change your desires to try new things you know, you start expanding your horizons. And I think ultimately I just needed to have a pick me up for my hangover. <laughs> and so when I say I'm like obsessive about like the act of making the morning, like that's just like the ritual, you know, I don't, I don't crave coffee. Like some people crave coffee. I don't give a what it tastes like sometimes. Like I will drink whatever is on hand. I'll drink day. I have day old coffee sitting in a thermos waiting for me to like put some ice cubes in it and I'll just drink old coffee and I'll call it iced coffee. And even though I know cold brew coffee is not made that way, I, it'll, to me, it'll be iced coffee. So I don't care what it tastes like. Typically I prefer better coffee. Um, sometimes I put MCT oil in it. Sometimes, sometimes I put like, you know, crazy flavored, um, creamers in it or black, like whatever it is, it just, I'll take it. So I, I enjoy it. Um, but I'm not a connoisseur of it and by any stretch of the imagination. I don't fine tune the details of the, the, the temperature of which you brew at and, and the exact amount of, you know, grains of coffee, ground up coffee beans. You know, it's just, it is what it is. Like whatever is available, I will, I will put it in my body. However I have to, just to kind of like have that like ritual done in my head. <laughs> Cappuccinos, lattes, mochas. Viking has no use for it. In fact, he cares so little about how the coffee tastes that it doesn't even need to be coffee at all. It's just the caffeine that he's after. He claims to have introduced his longtime hiking buddy, Zach Davis, to Mio 
a flavored caffeine supplement that you add to water? Well, I like to think that I am the, um, you know, inspiration for Zach switching to Mio because uh, when we were on our PCT Sobo 2017 hike, I would use Mio like a cr- like a crutch. <laughs> you know, I would um, I called it I, to to Zach. I called it my go juice. And and if anyone out there doesn't realize, like yeah, we hiked the PCT together in 2017 in uh, in full, um, start to finish mostly. And um, yeah, that was like we were doing big mile days um, to be able to finish that hike uh, under or right at 100 days. We had less than five zero days out there, and so we had to average over a marathon every single day out there. And so. What that meant is when you like compile the amount of time we have to spend in town um, resupplying and showering and and getting a hotel room, like that actually takes away, you know, time off trail is you got to put in bigger miles you got to put in per day. And, you know, when you're pulling 35, 40, and sometimes we were going over 50 miles, very rarely we went over 50 miles, only a couple of times, but still we were pulling like 35, 40 plus um, many times. And late in the day, you know, once you start before, you know, dawn, you know, and you have to hike until after dusk, you get tired. So I use meal like a crutch quite a bit. Um, if I'm taking caffeine in, a, in any way, that's that's helpful to me on those big days. Meal's gross. Like, I don't even like meal, <laughs> you know. Um, and and the, and the way I did meal was like I would like squeeze the out of that bottle. I, I looked at it like. You know, whatever they say, you got to, how many squeezes you got to do to get how, you know, like a, like a cup of coffee's worth of caffeine that I never adhered to that at all, ever. It, to me, it was like, get the color of the water, the whatever color, whatever deep, dark, saturated color of the bottle of Mio that I'm using, the darker it is, the better it is in caffeine. And so I just would slam that typically with a few ibuprofen to go along with it. That was like the, the ultimate cocktail was a, was a load of Mio and a, couple of ibuprofens and that was my go juice and I would be good for like several hours but if I was having coffee in the morning it'd be like whatever I could get at whatever grocery store that I resupplied at if it was like Folgers instant if it was I don't even know um what the other brands are that are like crappy but you know if I can get Starbucks via sure great but I'd mix two coffee instant coffee packets with like two um carnation instant breakfast packets so I'd get like, that'd be my breakfast. It'd be two coffees and two breakfast packets. And you get like all your vitamins and minerals and essential this, that, or the others and, and your caffeine. And that was like, that was also to like jumpstart the, um, you know, the morning routine of like getting up and, and cleaning out your system. If you're following me, do you know what I'm saying? You know? <laughs> oh, we get what you're saying. Coffee has that effect on a lot of people. Yeah, I mean, so that was typically like to to clean out the rest because Zach and I would typically wake up uh, needing to have an emergency every morning. It was like it was like you were laying in bed. You're just like, look, look, this is gonna sound gross, but this is the way it is because you're just ingesting so many calories. You're ingesting so much protein. You're ingesting so much junk food at, at times that like you got to go to the bathroom a lot, you know. And when you ate a big dinner. Like, uh, especially like a freeze dried meal or, or whatever, you know, does a number on your digestive system and you got to wake up in the morning and, and take care of that. Like, that's what gets you out of your sleeping bag in the morning. 
is like the immediate, immediate emergency of having to go do that. <laughs> and it was always a, like a, like a race and not a race, but it was always a, like who was gonna like have that first. Like who you, I'd hear Zach or Zach would hear me zipping, you know, out of our tent and being like, Oh God, Oh God, no. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I have IBS, but I've never had it, uh, you know, medically documented. <laughs> Again, I'll drink them all. I, I I don't care. I don't whatever we we might buy the cheapest crappiest coffee, coffee there is. I don't know. It's it's whatever saves us a penny and um, whatever gets the caffeine and the poop going. So um, I don't bring a French press out. I don't bring a pour over. Uh, I don't bring fresh grounds. I don't bring a grinder. I don't have that kind of time. I don't play around like that. I haven't been in, <laughs> I haven't been in that phase of my backpacking or camping or I'm just lounging around camp. It's typically been long distance adventures where like the primary goal is get up and hike and do as much as to do as many miles as I can and time is miles and and I I basically get into a rhythm out there um where I am calculating my time at all times, my speed, my how far I can get every day, given the window that I have left. So I I try and be as efficient with my time as, as possible. I haven't really had that casual hike yet. And if quality coffee is on your morning agenda in the backcountry, Viking isn't dissing you. He sees the value of savoring a well-brewed cup and spending the time to sip it slowly as sun rises in camp. You know, coffee is that thing for some people. And even if it's just like an emotional or mental satisfactory thing that, that like puts you in a, in a good place, like coffee is that for some people. Sometimes it's my go juice. Like if I'm feeling down in the dumps physically and I'm starting to break down mentally, some go juice can like, even if it's a placebo at, at times, you know, it is what it is. It just gives you a little extra, a little extra something. It, it can be a physical crutch. It can be a mental cr- crutch. It can be an emotional crutch. It can be just what anyone, it's whatever you want it to be, I feel like, and whatever you make it to be. If I just cr- have that cup of coffee, I'll be, I'll, I'll be okay, you know? <laughs> and that's, just, and that's a luxury having anything like that on trail. Like, like that's a luxury to be able to have when everything else is just not at your disposal, you know, uh, uh, like, even like throwing on some music or or throwing on a podcast it is kind of a similar thing that that can propel you either physically or mentally through the hard parts of your day i mean that that is what it is you you like coffee is what you have every day in the real world you you brew that pot of coffee or that cup of coffee that's how you start your day in the real world and then when you're in the real real world <laughs> out on the trail <laughs> you know just washes away the the rigorous backcountry difficult times and you can just like transport yourself away for that that brief fleeting flavor taste sip drink smell whatever it is it can get you there for one fleeting moment and i respect i respect that i respect that there's nothing wrong with that i'm I'm if people love that like that that tedious and precise process of making coffee perfect that they can enjoy it I'm I'm happy for him. That's great. Enter Adventure Allen. 
Hey, this is uh, Adventure Alan here, a.k.a. Alan Dixon, and um, I'm one of the very early adopters in the ultralight backpacking movement. I've been running my own website on ultralight backpacking since uh, 1999, so over 20 years, and I've been backpacking for over 50 years. Anyone who knows Alan knows he's both analytical and spiritual and his approach to, well, basically everything. And coffee is no exception. Um, my relationship with backcountry coffee goes pretty deep. It's, it's really part of my, my morning ritual. It's a ritual that I have at home. Um, right now I've, I've gone fully keto and I'm doing an 18 hour fast each day, which means I do not eat between 6 PM and noon. So when I wake up in the morning, the only thing that I have to look forward to that's going to go between my lips until lunch is that morning cup of coffee. Well, not eating for 18 hours sounds like torture. So this cup of coffee better be really, really good. So I get up and I make the perfect pour over coffee. And it's it's a sort of very zen-like thing. I have everything arranged and beautifully spread out and the scales in the right place and I have this beautiful elegant kettle and you know this this really beautiful Japanese pour over dripper and I just I do it very meticulously and very carefully and then I scoot over into my my sort of serenity room kneel on my meditation pillow and I sit and I meditate and every once in a while I just very mindfully pick up this cup of warm coffee and take a very mindful sip savoring its taste any guesses as to how Alan takes his coffee black 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 and unadulterated. I have a whole collection of different things from like coffees from Panama, a natural, a sun-dried yoga chef, and there are different roasts, uh, although I prefer the, the light roast. Almost everything that I French press or, or um, do the pour is a lighter roast because the, the darker the roast, the, the more you screw up the flavor. Um, and less caffeine it has in it. You know, one of the things is when I'm 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 making my pour over in the morning, and you know this very intricate thing. And you know, I'm, I'm measuring the water by weight. So you've got this filter with these coffee grounds in it, and and then you put it on a scale, and then you take water from your kettle and you start a timer. And there's these recipes all have to do with you know this amount of water at this time, and pour it in the you know semi-circular direction or circular direction, start in the middle and move out, out, out in, but you're paying attention to all this and it's, it's pretty complicated. But during that process, I can't wait until I, it's all done draining through the filter and I can finally like take the filter off and get my first sip. I'm just like anticipating it. So I'm like, I'm curious, like what's this coffee gonna be like? And so this, this, this aroma is wafting up and, and then I take that, that first sip and the first sip's pretty hot. So I got to take a little bit of a, get a little air into it to cool it off. And that also helps you, um, mixing a little oxygen in to actually enhances the flavor and helps you taste it. Um, and then I'm waiting for that flavor profile to come across because coffee is this mix of all these 
crazy flavors. There's this earthy, chocolatey, sort of sweeter flavor to it. And then that slowly drifts away. And then I start getting these sort of floral, citrusy, more of a sharper taste to it. A um, little bit of bite um, at the end. And that's kind of an aftertaste for me. It's just it's just fun. I, it's It's like... Every morning, it's just, it's a little different and it's enough to, to hold my attention, but there's just this sense of joy as I'm sort of imbibing this first cup of coffee. Alan really is meticulous about his coffee at home. I wonder if he can replicate it in the backcountry. Well, I think um, there's a couple things about backcountry coffee that are problematic. And, and one is, you know, just it's, it's tends to be heavy and messy to make coffee in the backcountry. There is no coffee analog. You're not going to walk into the backcountry with a Mr. Coffee. <laughs> um, and even something like a French press is, is super bulky and heavy. And then, you know, unlike tea, you've got these coffee grounds that that you need to deal with. You know, both carrying them in and leave no trace would say that you also need to carry them back out. And you're carrying wet grounds out that are full of water and not particularly and it's not particularly easy to clean out your pot. So there's a lot of pain points with making coffee in the backcountry. And then if you're part of the ultralight movement, the weight is a huge issue. And then you're also probably buying into like maximize your hiking time. Why are you wasting all this time and effort making coffee in the morning when you could have logged all those trail miles? So there's, there's a lot of problems with it. So back in the day in the early aughts when, you know, the, the web didn't even exist and there were like these e-groups, there was like a backpacking light e-group, which is the original sort of think tank that germinated and, and sort of consolidated the early ultralight backpacking movement. And there were two ways that you could shut down meaningful discussion in that e-group for a week. And one was bears and guns, and the other was how to make coffee in the backcountry. And literally nothing else it just would overwhelm all other conversations. Out of that, um, I pretty much ended up making cowboy coffee. And, you know, honestly, back in the, the early 70s, we used to do that. We didn't actually think it was a big deal. It was just like kind of how you make coffee. Um, and kind of my key claim to fame was that um, I kind of solved the dollop of water eggshell settling the grounds thing um, in that I would carry a nine gram tea strainer with me. And I would just hold that tea strainer in my fingertips and pour very carefully, pour the cowboy coffee into my cup through that strainer, um, essentially making it a French press in that it would catch any spare large grounds. I could essentially get a ground-free cup of coffee. So it, you call it cowboy coffee, but by my method, it was basically um, a nine-gram French press method. And, and I did that for, for many, many years. I don't think there's anyone more dedicated to ultralight backpacking than Alan Dixon. I mean, he's famous for his nine-pound base weights and even lower when conditions permit. 
But last year when he was guiding a trip in Utah, a client snuck some real coffee in his bag and ultimately changed Alan's point of view on bringing great tasting coffee in the backcountry. Well, there's kind of a fun story on how the light bulb went on in my head, but it actually was was this year. And I had a client that snuck in a mocha pot on me, one of those cast aluminum stovetop coffee makers. I mean, it just, I was just flabbergasted when I, he pulled this out of his pack in the morning. And I was like, oh, this is like, this is terrible. I've, I've failed. The house has happened. And then, you know, it's sort of one of those aha moments. I'm sitting there and going, you know what? There's a little bit of jealousy going on here. Um, he's having a better cup of coffee than I am. <laughs> I thought, well, okay, the mocha pot, you know, cast aluminum's a little heavy. But, you know, what? You know, I'm an engineer by training, and and once I get the inquisitive, like, let's figure this out bug, I'm like, what is the lightest way that I could make a cup of coffee in the backcountry that would be as good as I could make at home? I think you're getting the picture here. Alan doesn't do anything halfway. He went all in to find the best method of making coffee that would also jive with his dedication to the principles of ultralight backpacking. I'm actually a trained barista. I, I actually went into barista school. I make a better cup of coffee than you'll get at your local coffee shop. So how could I take that into the backcountry? And so I did some research and I have I have two ways that you can do it for about a couple ounces that will produce coffee pretty much as good as I can make at home. So the first way, and this is all the rage everywhere, is pour over coffee. And I went and just went through all these videos and research and looked at all the winners of the world uh, pour over brewing championships and went over all the techniques and just really binged on YouTube. And I found this Hario V60. It's like this two ounce or 1.8 ounce red plastic thing. And apparently the the actual brewers prefer the plastic one because it retains the heat a little better. And, and it's actually won the World Barista Brewing Championship with this, this little 1.8 ounce plastic filter. So I got one and I perfected that at home. And that's that's primarily what it's, I use. And it's super simple. You can just put it this little red plastic thingy right on top of your titanium camp mug with a little um, filter in it. And you pour your ground. And um, out of your just pour out of your boiling pot and you're done. And I have a, a great post and a video on exactly how I do it. But you know, it's pretty much as good as the coffee I make at home. So the second method, and the reason that I was a little late to this podcast, because I was putting out my my video and post on this, Jet Boil, which you know is the most popular backpacking stove of all time. They released a new stove that's half the weight of any previous Jetboil stoves. Um, so what does that mean to coffee in the backcountry? Well, one of the cool things about um, Jetboil is they also have a French press attachment, a pretty nice one. And it weighs 1.8 ounces. Oh, I should say that the Jetboil stove weighs seven ounces for the stove and the pot. 
whereas the previous stoves were like 13 or 14 ounces. So it is literally half the weight. So for essentially nine ounces or 1.8 ounce extra for the coffee presser, you can make a superb French press in the backcountry, like as literally every bit as good as you can at home. And just to put that in perspective, like the GSI, like plastic, lightweight, backpacking French press thingy, just the French press weighs 13 ounces. So it's like four ounces more, and you don't even get a stove or a pot to boil water in. So it's this incredibly light way to um, to do it right. <laughs> I was just like, why am I drinking this basically instant coffee? What is wrong with me? Life is too short to, to be drinking instant coffee. Having a cup of coffee with people is good. And there's nothing about ultralight backpacking that says you can't enjoy spending time with people. Um, and if I can do that for 1.8 ounces, and again, both the methods, both the French press on the new jet boil stove and the uh, Hario V60, that red plastic filter, are 1.8 ounces. So I, if anything, I think it's really on par. So I think if anything, it's sort of honed my adherence to, to ultralight backpacking. And I, I would see it more as, as uh, an embracing and refinement and improving upon it than any um, drifting away from it. Next, we turn to Liz Thomas pro hiker to see if any of this checked out. My name is Liz Thomas, known as Snorkel on the Trail. Uh, I've hiked something like 20,000 miles on 20 different wilderness through hikes, um, in addition to a fair amount of urban through hikes in 14 different cities. Uh, and I formerly held the women's self-supported record on the Appalachian Trail. Liz is a triple crown hiker, an author of hiking guidebooks, and the editor of Treeline Gear Review, a website that tests outdoor gear of all kinds. And yes, at one point in her career, she tested the best backcountry coffee. And we'll get into that in a minute. My relationship with coffee in the backcountry has changed over the years, but now I'm at the point where it's, it's really a great thing to have first thing in the morning to motivate. I also keep a packet of Starbucks Via in my med kit if I get into a really gnarly situation and I start freaking out. Having that there just in case to like get that extra pump of energy to get over the, the mountain before the lightning storm comes or whatever, you know, that, that, that's an emergency situation to fly. So when I through hiked the PCT the first time, uh, I actually was stoveless the whole time. And so hot coffee in the morning was not something that I was thinking about. Um, I don't even think I did any sort of cold. And I, I can definitely say that, like, as soon as I start carrying coffee, my, my mood, my, like, my morning motivation, like, the miles I was pumping out before 10 really went up. And I was like, hmm, there's probably something to this. How Liz gets her coffee depends upon the situation. It's one thing when you're camping out of your car and a whole nother thing when you're living out of your backpack. So if I'm, like, car camping somewhere off a Forest Service road, I'll be able to have more equipment. But when I'm through hiking, I'm thinking a lot about you know, what sort of equipment do I have to carry? Uh, how heavy is it gonna be? I'm thinking a lot about trash, uh, not just in terms of like, I have to carry the trash out, but also like, how much of a mess is it gonna make? Is it gonna attract bears? Um, I've read some studies that show that coffee grounds are like catnip to bears. I'm not sure if that's been scientifically peer reviewed, but you know, like that's something I just don't wanna mess with. 
And then obviously cleaning of equipment is something that I'm thinking about, as well as like, you know, how quickly can I pump this out? If I run out of stove fuel, am I still going to be able to get some sort of cold caffeine into my body? So those are the things I think about when I'm through hiking with coffee, as well as flavor. That's, that's pretty important as well. I like a, a lighter roast. Uh, I think sometimes with a darker roast, a lot of, you, you can hide a bad bean behind a dark roast. Whereas like with a light roast, you got to have a really good bean to start with to get those, those flavors coming out. Uh, so I, I think a light roast can be more unique and kind of show off what the roasters got going. Um, a little bit better. And Liz would know. After all, she conducted a blind study for the New York Times on the 14 best options for making coffee in camp. So the New York Times product review site uh, used to have an outdoor team. And so I got to test all sorts of gear for them side by side. And one of the most fun stories I worked on was on backcountry coffee. They had their fancy pour over person and they had their uh, big Mr. Coffee style, countertop style cups. Th those were all different kitchen teams. But they had me do the backcountry testing. Um, and so I had a guy who was a 14 year veteran of Blue Bottle, which is like a very high end coffee shop um, who worked on all their supply. Um, he was through hiking the New Mexico loop. And I was like, hey, I'm gonna send you a bunch of coffee. Tell me what you think. And then I had some other through hikers. I through hiked the GR20 with all my test products. Uh, I had a leave no trace traveling team go driving across the country in their Subaru, um, you know, camping every night, who was also testing all of these coffees. I had a couple other teams and I talked to all sorts of guides about coffee. But the best part was, you know, I had these city folk in LA. We did this uh, specialty coffee association certified like blind taste test of all of these like instant coffees. <laughs> So they're all like sitting in this fancy office, you know, blind tasting with spoons. Like it's like, you know, some of it is really low quality instant stuff. But in the end, it, it was really telling that it seemed like a lot of people had very similar goals and what they wanted in instant coffee. And um, yeah, it was it was super fun to see what everyone's results were, regardless if they were the back country or the front country. Instant coffee has kind of a reputation for being watery and thin. And most people want like a thicker, bolder cup of coffee. So trying to get that sort of, uh, that flavor profile that people want a balanced cup was really important. Um, one of them that I tested um, was uh, called Treeline Roasters out of Bozeman. And they have this uh, thing they call the Geo, which is like this little packet that you open up and it's like this little tiny disposable pour over. Um, it's pretty lightweight. They're really high quality coffee and, you know, like very easy pack it in, clean it, clean up, just put it back in the bag. Um, you can get a really, really good cup for, for an overnighter. And Kutu Coffee, which is sold at REIs everywhere, also has a very similar model, high quality beans, super easy to use, super clean. Um, I think those really give you a high quality cup with a, a good balance of like minimal trash. When I'm on a through hike though, if I've got some long hauls, um, or if I have to be mailing stuff to myself, a Starbucks via is usually a pretty good way to go. Um, I also tested a coffee from Mount Hagen, um, which is an organic coffee that's actually half the price of a Starbucks via. And that one, testing-wise, um, all across the board, everyone thought the flavor was pretty good, pretty well balanced. So that hit a lot of you know like price points because some higher quality instant coffees can be expensive. I think one thing for backcountry people is how the ride is. Like, is it going to leave you really jittery? And some beans can um, affect people caffeine-wise more than other beans. So that, that was a little more subjective, but I've definitely had coffee where I'm like, whoa, I should not drink that before I need to go over this pass or whatever. Um, 
So, you know, that's something to think about too. Coffee on the trail is sometimes more than just a caffeine blast. It seems like everyone here agrees that there's some kind of comfort in the ritual, something that just brings you a little closer to home when you are so far away. You know, there's a little bit of a meditation to it. Hot beverages are comforting anyway, especially if it's cold, it's nice to hold something hot. And for me, you know, part of it's a ritual um, of reminding myself that, you know, this is what I do at home every morning. And on trail, it connects me to that sort of like routine that I had at home. And it connects me to, you know, sometimes when you're on trail, you're so dirty and tired and your feet hurt that you forget that you're a human. And so just starting that morning off with it like, hey, remember when I used to do this at home? It, it adds a little bit of normalcy to a, a through hiking life. Are you jonesing for a cup of coffee now? Thanks, Liz, Alan, Heather, and Viking for coming on the show. You can catch up with all these superstar hikers on their Instagram pages or visit the show notes on the Gaia GPS blog for links to their books and websites. And we'll also include some links to their coffee recommendations as well so you can brew better coffee on the trail too. And while you're there, don't forget to pick up your Gaia GPS discount. Just go to www.gaiagps.com podcast for 20% off a premium membership. Until next time, this is Mary on the Out and Back podcast. Mm-hmm.